It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Copy sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sippy yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind And I, I will always be a baby girl Hmm <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Whitney Houston. I feel like she would have really. I feel like at some point, if the universe had allowed it, Whitney Houston and I would have done a duet. Yeah. Anyways, welcome to another episode of SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right. Suck your mom. Suck your mom. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kalechi Okafor. Uh, and I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm back to my kind of, I'm glad to, I'm really happy to be here. I'm, I'm feeling the vibe this week. Having my time off social media has been relaxing um, and eye-opening in a number of aspects and, and just seeing that a lot of the energies, like I was saying in the previous uh, episode, a lot of the energies that I've been taking on, um, being an empath and just really and a Libra, just someone that thrives off connecting with other people by feeling what they're feeling and then relaying it to them to cultivate relationships. Um, it's interesting to see when I'm not on social media, not taking on those energies, how, you know, much more free I feel and able to kind of acknowledge other things and see other things. So it's been nice. And also, it helps me to kind of see the energies closer to home that I may be need to like dis- distance myself from and things like that just to have my own space um, because it's natural when you have friends and family and stuff to kind of absorb their energy as well to carry it for them to help them hold that that reality and if it's not yours I beg just put it to the side because you can't come and kill yourself really honestly truly so yeah I mean oh so what's been happening so the showcase happened at the studio our first uh, annual spring show uh, showcase it was truly wonderful tickets sold out I think on Friday um or was it Saturday morning but tickets sold out and I was really glad about that so thank you to everyone that bought tickets and came to come and watch the teachers and students perform it was glorious and I think that that experience showed a lot of people what I'm capable of and also what they were capable of and and where they were in their own personal journeys and some people couldn't hack it um, and some people thrived so um, it it was truly truly wonderful to have that experience and now I'm planning the next showcase which is going to be in August because that will be the second birthday of Kolechnikov studio Um, you know because the first year was in Clapton Close the Clapton studio after a year to open a bigger space in Peckham. And so, yeah, so it'll be the second birthday of the brand and one year of the studio being in Peckham. And just the fact that I managed to survive this far, it's going to be a massive celebration for me. So, 
yeah, I'm going to, I've already told the, uh, the students and the teachers and we're planning towards this, uh, you know, the summer showcase. And I think a lot of people um, or a few of the people that performed at the spring showcase have caught the bug now because they're like, mm, what am I going to do for my next one? What am I going to wear for the next one? Oh, I've got to bring a different vibe. I'm like, yes, that's the way to go. Feel it. So um, yeah, I'm excited about that one. Thinking of a theme, um, well, there'll be many reasons to be celebrating, but yeah, that will be that will be truly glorious. So I'm looking forward to the summer showcase. Um, yeah, this episode, FYI, I'm gonna call it. I wanted to call it "I Will Always Love You," but I don't know. I might still call it "I Will Always Love You" in brackets. I'm gonna call also call it the men's episode. So this episode is all about men in one way or another so it's either men have sent me in um letters because um, quite a few men do send me in letters so it's either men have sent me in letters to suggest subjects or to share magnificence or to just bring something up um all men are the the subjects that i've chosen for myself um there was no real reason for it it wasn't like i actively went it wasn't contrived i'd really you know me already i really don't care for the male species but um it just so happened that when I was collating all the things that I wanted to talk about, I was just looking at how wonderful and supportive the men are who send me emails and stuff every week about the podcast or just about me in general and just being so supportive um, and big up all the patrons as well um, on um, Patreon that have been um, donating to the extra content and stuff and, you know, subscribing to the extra content. It's wonderful. It's marvellous. And it's actually equal 50-50 men and women who have been subscribing. So I really love that. I love that energy. Um, so yeah, so this is the men's episode. That's the theme. Um, and I'll highlight whether it's someone that sent me in something or whether it's a subject, but you'll, you'll, you'll get the vibe. So the only thing that obviously I haven't impacted, I haven't um, influenced is the tarot for this week. So the tarot card that I pulled for this week is interesting. Always interesting because I love tarot. I pulled the nine of pentacles, the nine of pentacles. So the nine of pentacles, whenever I see pentacles to me, it's usually just, it's about money. It's about money. It's about career. I think for me, it's, it's always speaking to those kind of things when I, for me personally, when I read, uh, pentacles, career, money, that kind of success, um, material success is what I look at when I see it. So in this card, like I'm always saying, you don't have to understand tarot because I'll break it down to you. In this card, we see a woman and um, she's in a vineyard of sorts. It's really, really rich and like just so fertile and just it's beautiful. And um, underneath her, like around her hip height, we see nine pentacles gathered in threes because, you know, three threefold is nine and three is the magic number it honestly is if we're talking about the universe if we're talking about manifestation three is such a powerful number so th this is why this card is so wonderful it's such a positive card because we see this figure she's chilling she's got one hand placed on one of the pentacles as they just all gathered not scattered gathered by her by her feet and you know just underneath her and um they are in the foreground to grapes Gro uh, grapes are growing in the background and we we see a castle off in the distance and um, the sky is just a nice yellow talk, talking of warm weather, just talking of just affluence and beauty. And in her, I want to say her left hand, on her left hand, there's a, be a bird that's perched on her hand, just chilling. So when I look at this card, it just says to me, 
and to me personally and to us as a collective that it's really time to relax. Like you've done, you've worked so hard. All of the cards before have been telling us work, work, work. This card is just saying it's time to relax and enjoy the things that you've managed to manifest. You might not see them right now, but you are only going to see them if you just chill for a moment. You've put in the work. So now let the work put in for you. Like nine of pentacles, just one off the uh, 10 of pentacles. Nine, you are doing great things and you just have to allow for God to just like give you all of the things that you've worked for now. And they're coming literally threefold. Like you're going to get assaulted by blessings. Like you're going to get so pissed off because they're just going to bash at your head. Like the number of things that are coming your way, but it's because you have put in the hard work and you've strived for it. You've cried for it. And now it's time for you to enjoy it. So just let it come. It's not one of those things that you need to do anything else for. If you really, if you're one of those people like me who can't imagine just not doing anything, you can tie up loose ends of other projects that you've been working on, but definitely it's not the time for you right now to be starting new projects because otherwise you'll miss the beauty and the, and the enjoyment that comes from the other projects that you've been putting in work for. Um, and you know, when I see the grapes, it's interesting because I was looking at this card. So what's wild is that I was looking at this card and I was looking at the grapes and I was just thinking grapes, wine, like truly a time to turn up. And it, the card for some reason reminded me of the three of cups, which is a card about celebration. And would you believe it? I always look at the bottom of the deck. Whenever I've pulled cards, I always look at the bottom of the deck for the card that's right at the bottom that I never pulled. And what was the card at the bottom of the deck? The three of cups. So that just said everything to me. Like if the three of cups is just like three women, it looks like to me, three friends, they're surrounded by fruits by their feet and they've each got a cup in their hand and they're racing it up into the air. And it looks like they are turning up, like they are having the best time. Like they are just living their best life. And the nine of pentacles reminds me of that energy of the three of cups. Although this woman is by herself and she's just got the bird perched on her, ha um, on her hand. Um, just seeing the grapes by her and then also seeing the fruit by the feet of the girls dancing in the three of cups just makes me think of that idea of celebration, like celebrate yourself. Like there are stages that we go through. And for me personally, I feel like there's the stage I've gone through, like taking myself off social media and just doing my own thing for a bit and then looking closer to home at other things that I might want to remove to give myself more space. Um, and then now I'm moving on to kind of the stage of celebrating myself. And you can't, even if you're in a relationship, waiting for other people to celebrate you the way that you want to celebrate you is futile. I, I've said this before in earlier episodes, like you've got to celebrate yourself, like you've got to be involved in a very beautiful and an intimate, um, intimate romantic relationship with yourself because that's what makes you whole and equal in relationships and, and in, you know, as you interact with other people. So I've wanted to go to Bob Bob Ricard, uh, the restaurant since I passed my driving test in October, because that is the only thing that got me through. I was like, I'm going to Bob Bob Ricard because I hated this whole process of learning to drive. It was horrendous. I passed first time and I never, I just never want to go through that process again. So I said to myself, the only way I'm going to get through this, the only way I'm going to be able to get through this driving test is to know that I've, there's a treat for myself at the end. And that's Bob Bob Ricard. For some reason, I didn't get round to going. So while I was having my time off the uh, social media and stuff, and 
I just thought to myself, I'm going to take myself to Bob Bob Ricard's. Like I bought a dress from House of CB that I haven't worn. I booked a table for one at Bob Bob Ricard and I'm going to live my best life because I've worked so freaking hard and I I keep working. If it's not the podcast, it's the studio, it's the acting, it's the activism, it's, it's something. I'm doing something and giving, giving, giving and I want to give back to myself. And that lobster mac and cheese at Bob Bob Ricard is screaming for me. So... That's what I'm doing. By the time you hear this, I would have done it. I'm, I would have already been to Bob Bob Ricard and lived my best life. So ultimately what I'm trying to say is like the nine of pentacles is that like you're not lacking. You're not lacking in anything. It might feel like, oh, I don't see the benefits right now. They're not in front of my face, but they're coming. So so start celebrating because you're you're going to be overwhelmed by just the number of success, success stories, success, you know, testimonies that are coming your way that are about you and the hard work that you've put in. So, yep, that's the nine of pentacles and also, obviously, as I mentioned, the three of cups. So moving on to share your magnificence. Share your magnificence this week. Wow. Oh, Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. What have you done to my life? Atlanta is like my one of my favorite series ever. Atlanta is so brilliant. I understand that there are people out there that don't get it. Like I hear a lot of people go, I don't get it, especially not the new season. I don't get it. Yo, it speaks. I feel like Atlanta speaks to the kind of black person that I am, where you're just a little bit of hood, but you're also quite a lot of weird. And Atlanta is all of that and Lakeith Stanfield I believe that he's my spirit animal like he is everything he was the one that was in Get Out you know the one that when they took a picture of him like his nose started bleeding and he started wiling out like Lakeith Stanfield is amazing I really really like him as an actor so anyway um this the episode that I'm talking about isn't the most recent one because I know episode seven is out I'm talking about episode six that's called Teddy Perkins it was phenomenal. It's, it reminded me of season one, the Juneteenth episode that I really liked. And the theme is like whenever um, they leave, whenever they leave Atlanta to go elsewhere, they always get into a madness. And so in Teddy Perkins, basically Lakeith Stanfield's character, I'm not spoiling it by the way, I'm not going to go into what happens, but uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character goes to this old mansion outside of Atlanta to go and pick up a piano that he's seen on Craigslist, I think, or Gumtree or something like that. So he goes to go and pick up this piano and he goes to the home of a man who has obviously severely, severely bleached, like severely bleached himself. And he's a black man. Um, this guy and he talks about his brother that lives with him that used to be one of like the greats in terms of jazz but he didn't get the um, acclaim that he deserved and um, Lakeith starts to question whether there is in fact anyone else even living with him in the house and it becomes this like this psychological kind of almost thriller um, they even pay homage to get out in one of the scenes like it's so incredibly done like and I'm not going to give away, but watch, look at who, look at Terry Perkins very carefully, very carefully. And you'll soon realize who is actually playing him. And it makes it even more hilarious. Um, so yeah, it was a great episode, but why I really liked it was because the character, that Teddy Perkins character, he speaks about creativity only being possible from pain. 
And he says, you know, this is what he was taught by his father. And basically he wants to make a museum for all of the great fathers who have created great success stories. He mentions his father. He mentions Joe Jackson. He mentions um, Tiger Woods' father. He mentions Serena Williams' father. And he says that guy, um, Emilio Estevez's guy dad in um the breakfast club you know the movie the breakfast club or something like that basically he just ends up mentioning fathers that the media and the world at large has looked at their manner of parenting over the years with a raised eyebrow um because joe jackson okay so you created the jackson five but all of your children are clearly severely scarred from what you did um serena williams like yeah, your your dad created an icon, but some of his methods seemed a bit abusive, if we're going to be honest. Um, you know, so it was that kind of thing where, and it was fathers, it was, it was very specifically about fathers and, and the impact that they have on their children. And I just thought that that was really interesting that we, you know, in the, on the quest for success, how do we damage people's childhoods? You know, yes, they become known and they are successful in 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 this in the realms of what we deem as success in a capitalist society. Um, and they are the best, I guess, arguably in their fields. But at what cost did they achieve that? Like you robbed them essentially of a childhood. So, you know, yes, great things came from their pain, but I'm sure greater things could have come from a kinder type of, um, you know, guidance. So that's the conversation and that episode brought up for me. I'm going to watch it again because I'm sure there were little bits that I missed as well. But oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. Even how it ends is fantastic. Like I, I really feel like Donald Glover is a genius. That's, that's, the, that's the best way for me to describe him. And it still falls into my theme of this being the men's episode because he's a man dissecting patriarchy within the um, family structure and and how it serves young people young creatives um oh just watch it even if you don't like atlanta you can actually watch that episode in isolation i believe and get something from it it was it was truly disconcerting it was so weird it was so weird and uncomfortable to watch yet so incredible so big up Donald Glover for being out here creating beautiful, beautiful work and just challenging the narrative of what it means to be a black creative, creating, um, you know, creating visuals and, and, and doing all of these things that have black protagonists because it's not hoochie mama, hoochie mama, hoochie mama. Like these white executives would have you believe he's giving us narratives that are challenging and visuals that are challenging where you're having to deconstruct it, um, and figure out what's going on. And, and I like the challenge. I think it's really, really great from one American to another. Um, no, actually shit. He's not American, is he? Drake's Canadian. So anyway, Big up Drake, big up, big up man like Aubrey, because um, I have mixed feelings about Drake. Some of his songs really annoy me because I just feel like you're one of those whiny, entitled men who think that you have all of the rights to women because you're a nice guy or something like that. So he he bothers me at times. But his new song, Nice For What? I think is incredible. I love the song itself. It's just such a summer vibe. Like it's, it's an anthem for all the Gyaldem. Like it's amazing. 
I am I love the visuals more. I love the fact that there are there's an array of black women and white women in the music video. Um I don't know why there weren't enough like visibly Asian women in the video though. But anyway, um I really liked that. I really liked that video. I I liked the video because the women weren't dressing for the uh, for from male consumption they were dressing very much like Yara Shahidi she's in the music video and she's got on her her Harvard hoodie and you know Misty Copeland's in there just doing her sickening ballet skills like just looking wonderful Jordan Dunn she's in it um Lakeisha Wright um, Letitia Wright sorry Letitia Wright she's in it and they even show um kind of um a scope or um a wide uh, a pan um of London I, I want to say Southwest London that looked more like Southwest London to me but um that was really really cool like it was really really cool to kind of see this sweeping um pan of 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 London at the very very end of the video and I loved what I loved at the end was that every single woman that was in the video her name showed up at the end of the video as well the samples that he um used um for the song as well from like I think it's Big Frida and he also used Lauren Hill from um, X Factor I kind of sidebar I hope that Lauren Hill somehow gets royalties from that because I know that she doesn't have rights to those songs which is why she sings them all weird when she does concerts but I hope that she does get some money from that sample but everything about the track everything about the track was about women and they were named as well and that's important because oftentimes women are brought in to these music videos as accessories and we're not treating them as whole entire human beings yet the entire video we actually don't see Drake very much the entire video is pretty much all of these wonderful amazing women living their best life obviously Issa Rae is in it as well um just shouting at this table this she's like she's having a board meeting and she's shouting at these white men these old white men and I live for it I'm just like that is me one day just telling people what I want them to do and they can't chat to me um so it was really nice it was wonderful it was wonderful to see that the director of the music video is um is a is a woman and she's directed I think she directed the God's Gift video as well although I haven't taken time really to like watch that one but um it's nice. To, I, it felt so different to see their names on screen. I know other artists maybe have done it before, but it's not the same. Like it was so prominent. It was so beautifully filmed and it was so prominent. And the women all looked happy and respected and an integral part to the, the, the beautiful kind of scope of the whole thing. Like I really, really enjoyed that video and it made me happy. Like the lyrics are good, but they're not the best part for me. The best part it's the music video itself. It's wonderful. So big up yourself, Drake. Um, I don't know what accent you're going to take on next, who you're going to be next, but you know, I look forward to it. Your accent's always changing. Um, bringing it closer to home because I did America, I did Canada, bringing it closer to home to John Agoke, um, also known as at rad underscore economist on Instagram. I am a fangirl for this guy because he makes wonderful food. He makes beautiful looking food. Like he doesn't even know I'm doing this, but I just appreciate when men stay in their lanes and just flourish and prosper. He has a son called Noah, um, who sometimes he shows on his Instagram um, stories and, you know, um, on his page. And I truly love Noah. Noah's very cheeky. And he, I see them, um, um, Rad Economist and his son, 
and Noah cooking together and Noah's just doing what he likes and I live for it. I love that representation of fatherhood and that representation of masculinity because oftentimes people would say um, talk masculinity and the prefix is toxic, but there, there is masculinity that isn't toxic and that's what we want to celebrate. So um, John is having a supper club that I've actually already bought my ticket to. I bought myself a VIP ticket because <laughs> I'm a very important person. No, I bought myself a VIP ticket because I want to eat all of the food, like all of the food that he has available. I want access to all of them. So the Supper Club is on Saturday, 21st of April from 6pm. Doors open at 6pm. Dinner is served from 6.30pm. The normal tickets are £40 and the VIP tickets are £45 and cocktails are £5. So I'm just really, really looking forward to that. Anyone who wants to join me, just go on his page, click on the Eventbrite and I'll probably even put the link of the Eventbrite in my captions as well so you can go on from there. But he's truly magnificent to me. I love men who are wonderful fathers and who are just wonderful at what they do and just so loving and caring like you it comes across so well how much he loves his family when I look at his Instagram page and I can't wait to eat all of the food so in case you're wondering what the menu is the menu from because I honestly I have wanted to go to one of his um, supper clubs before but I'm always busy I'm always teaching a party or something this time no I am going so the VIP starter is called oh first of all um Rad Economist presents the Nigerian border. So he says the inspiration for this menu is like from boarding school when he used to be at boarding school in Nigeria and just a take on those things and fusing them with more, I don't know, interesting culinary things from this Western society. I don't know. So um, VIP starter is called Banana Island and it's pepper soup with gnocchi and lobster. I'm already living. I'm already living for that. First course uh, plus a complimentary drink is the selfish egg which is caramelized naan bread with sauteed shallots, tomatoes and spinach, fried plantain, spicy egg yolk sauce. That sounds banging. Um, second course is fruity rice, which is Nigerian jollof rice, pan fried duck, burnt peach jollof emulsion and salted herbed grilled peach. Um, third course is called all soaks, biscuit tart, agave syrup, pistachio and oat bites, raspberries, white chocolate cheesecake topping. I can't wait to eat my body weight and food. Um, so it's going to be at the London cooking project. Um, 1 Ethelberger Street, London, SW, 114AG, 21st of April, 2018. Whoa, I am so excited. So he doesn't know I'm doing that, but I just wanted to big him up because I just love people doing wonderful things. And I really, really cannot wait. I was so happy to give my money for that because I know I'm going to have a great time. So if you want to join me, that's where I'm going to be at, you know. So my next Share Your Magnificence, it's quite a few actually. Next, Share Your Magnificence. Um, it's an anonymous letter. It's an anonymous letter sent by a man. I know it's a man. I'm just, you don't know which man it is, but it's an, yeah, it's anonymous. That's basically what I was trying to say. Anyway, he says here, let me just bring it up. Hello, Kalechi. I hope this message finds you well. I've been wanting to do a Share Your Magnificence for Melanin Millennials for a bit, in spite of the fuckeries that broke them apart. I never really got into Mostly Lit. 
Um, Melanin Millennials, however, was like the first Eureka moment where I was just so damn proud to hear black folk doing just doing things and speaking on the black British struggle in a country that thrived on pointing um, on pointed um, pointedly ignoring the oversized pink elephant in the room. I hated what that unmentionable network did. I still do. They just took it one more step too damn far with maintained ownership over the IPs of the shows that had worked with them. They simply rebranded, keeping the followers. They released pod- another podcast called Not Another, Bo- um, Not Another Book Podcast or something like that. And it's all kinds of problematic. I was hoping that they would do better. Instead, they just continue to use the hard work of others to shine. It's frustrating because as a result, I upped my Twitter and um, social media interactions, um, started looking more towards black representation instead of dealing with all of those issues from my sunken place of isolation. And I'm not being coherent because this cut me deep. I can't imagine how those who were affected and their hard work essentially stolen must feel. And in this period where we are angling more for equal representation, especially black representation, because Asians and Latinos are some anti, um, are on some anti-blackness as well, um, having your own skin folk um, stooping you takes the cake. I do understand you're stepping back from social media. I've never exhausted myself of reasons to be mad while expertly dodging thirst trap cards and trying to focus on the spy movie of Trump Russia. I wish you well in your in your cone of not going to give a damn right now silence. Regards anonymous. So, um yeah. <sighs> that I don't even know what to say. I first of all, big up Melanin Millennials, um, um, Satya and her co-host for having me on the show. You know, Melanin Millennials were was you know one of the shows that I went on, um, and I did their live show with them as well when they did the podcast festival, and it was truly enjoyable, and it really did bring some wonderful people my way, and I'm very very grateful for that. However, I still believe that the network that they're all that they all these podcasts were under, the person who runs it is trash as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not going to mince my words about that. He is trash, and um his partner for allowing that to happen to her fellow podcasters. I really would struggle to say anything nice about her because, you know, um, you're, you renamed your page, took it off as melanin millennials, renamed it, called it something else. And you're thriving off the work that more than you built more people than you built it yet you're you've renamed it rebranded it and you're keeping on the benefits of that and i just think that that's very very wild same with what happened with mostly lit's previous page as well i don't know these new people i don't know what they're doing they could be doing wonderful work i just think the circumstances under which it came about is truly disgusting and there's a special place in hell for black people who undermine and undercut other black people is all I'm going to say about that. So thank you Anon for sending that through. You're just a truly wonderful baby boy. And I appreciate all your constant support of my work and, and just being just a really nice person. Thank you, Anon. Um, last Share Your Magnificence is sent from um, Demetrius. Um, Thank you, one of my patrons. You're truly wonderful. Thank you, Demetrius. I really appreciate you. He writes... Hi, Kalechi. I know it's a long letter, but I had to put this out there. I'm a massive fan of your platform and I listen to your podcast every week, especially your card readings. I first heard of you when you appeared on the Melanin Millennials podcast. See, it's a theme. 
um, the Melanin and Millennials podcast for the first time over a year ago. And when I was done with the episode, I was an instant fan. I know it's a negative time for you at the moment, and there's nothing wrong with taking time out from social media to recharge, gather your thoughts, meditate, pray, or just do you for a while. Sometimes self-preservation is the only way we can get through times of negativity. But I wanted to personally let you know that you have supporters out here that really identify with your messages and connect with you pers- um, connect with your personality and the positive energy that you put out into the universe. We appreciate you and we've got your back. Thank you. After listening to this week's frank and honest podcast, I wanted to thank you for your support for queer women in our community. And you hit the nail on the head this week. Black women and black queer women are always the ones who are constantly elevating black men. When I see black men continuously disrespecting black women on social media and in general, it infuriates and saddens my soul. And to hear that you've been a victim of this abuse too, it really breaks my heart. I wonder if these men move the same way with their mothers or sisters. As a gay black man who's been brought up by three generations of black Trinidadian um, Trinidadian women, I've witnessed the trauma of racism and patriarchy and its negative effect, negative impact on black women. My grandmother, who arrived in the UK in the 30s, would often recall harrowing tales of her first years in the UK and the abuse she faced as a young black woman in London. My grandmother, who's a retired social worker, would often talk about the treatment of black people who entered the mental health system and the racism and misogynoir she faced at work when trying to further her career. My mother was in an abusive relationship with my father, much of the abuse I witnessed as a child, until she divorced the waste man when I was 11. But, but, but. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I realized that she was on antidepressants for a good few years after splitting up from my father to deal with the divorce. What I admire most about these women was not only how they survived these traumatic times while raising children, but how each one of them was still able to sit me down individually and teach me the cues to watch out for and the language to use in order to successfully navigate a system that's built on white supremacy and patriarchy, not to mention how to treat others with respect too. Without these women, I wouldn't have been able to get through school where I was racially profiled by teachers for five years and told that I would fail. Without these women, I wouldn't have had the confidence to call out racial and homophobic microaggressions at work without fear of being profiled as being aggressive or loud. Without these women, I wouldn't have been able to navigate the white corporate world, succeed in my career and still maintain and love every part of my blackness. When I see black women, I see my great grandmother, my grandmother, my, my mother and my sister. When I see you, Kelechi, I see intelligence, beauty, grace, love and strength. The same things I see in the women who raised me to be the man that I am today. Even though it may be a tough time at the moment, just remember you're a baby girl and you are doing bits out here, sis. There are always going to be bumps in the road but what I've from but what I've seen from you this year so far I know that things are only going to get bigger and better you are in your season all the best Demetrius thank you <clears throat> here's a song no I won't sing a song for you I don't want to like ruin the moment because my songs are terrible but no thank you Demetrius this means so much to me um especially the intergenerational aspect of it for black women the fact that there is a there is a strength and I think a a belief that kind of permeates all of our existence in that we have to keep striving for more and even in the midst of everything that's happening we have to love for black women I believe that love is a revolutionary act because we are we are almost inclined 
inherently to love through every trauma because I think we have a deep understanding of the fact that it's the only way we are all going to survive. And I appreciate men who also cultivate this and recognize it. So thank you, Demetrius. Like this cheered me up a lot when I read it before um, coming up, coming to record the show. Um, it matters so much to me, like big up to your mum, your great grandmother, your grandmother, your sister, like big up to all of them for being such incredible examples of true black womanhood. Like, I think it's wonderful. I don't want to use the usual words of like strength and this and that, but just love. Love is just the most powerful. And I appreciate, it's so clear how they loved you. And, and that love gave you strength to speak out against the things that weren't serving you. So I appreciate you and I appreciate them. So thank you so much for this. This is in, ultimately just like my most magnificent letter. Thank you so, so much. Um, the next person, this is awkward because the next person I was going to have as a share your magnificence, but it's hard. It's so hard because some of the themes in what he wrote, I don't want to take it to suck your mum. So the only thing, you know, I didn't want to give him straw of the week. So I had to kind of put it in the middle and put it in So You Mad. So this is why it's in So You Mad. So you have to understand that I, although I think what this man has done is w great, I just think how it's been done is a bit, uh, Anyway, let me stop being cryptic. So the first person in So You Mad is, uh, you know, Diaz, Junio Diaz, basically J-U-N-O-T, surname D-I-A-Z. Um, he's an author of some of my favorite books. He wrote, This Is How You Lose Her. If you haven't read that, you need to up your viva and go and read that book. This Is How You Lose Her. He wrote Drown. He wrote these, uh, the, uh, the Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde. If I've, I've probably just made up that title. The Brief Wonderful Life of wondrous life of Oscar Wilde. Anyway, let's just call it Oscar Wilde for short. Um, you know, Diaz is a phenomenal author. Like he's a phenomenal writer. When I read his work, his work is what I aspire for or to. Like, I don't see myself as someone who will be writing, um, fiction, but, um, Oh, he, his work is just incredible. Like, I don't see myself as a novelist. I definitely as an essayist, as um, maybe a poet here and there, but not to the level of what he does. He has a, he uses language in a way that I taste it. It's weird to say, like he, I, he creates a world that is not mine because he's Dominican, but he creates this world and I see it. I see it. I see this rich world and it's, it's truly amazing. So anyway, um, you know, Diaz, he wrote an article for The New Yorker where he speaks about his, um, the rape that he suffered as a child um, as and how it affected him. So I'm just going to read a little bit of it, um, a bit that he had on, um, had on in his article for The New Yorker. It says, last week I returned to Amherst. It's the, it's been years since I was there. The time we met, I was hoping that you'd show up again. I even looked for you, but you didn't appear. I remember you proudly repping NYC during the few minutes we spoke. So I suspect it. Um, so I suspect you'd move back. Um, you've moved back, or maybe you were busy, or you didn't know I was in town. I have a distinct memory of you in the signing line saying nothing to anyone. Intense. I assumed you were going to ask me to read a manuscript or help you find an agent, but instead you asked me about the sexual abuse I alluded to in my books. You asked quietly if it had happened to me. You caught me completely by surprise. 
I wish I told you the truth then, but I was too scared in those days to say anything, too scared, too committed to my mask. I responded with some evasive bullshit and that was it. I signed your books. You thought I was going to say something. And when I didn't, you looked disappointed. But more than that, you looked abandoned. I could have said anything, but instead I turned to the next person in line and smiled. Out of the corner of my eye, I watched you pick up your backpack, slowly put away your books and leave. When the signing was over, I couldn't get the fuck away from Amherst, from you and your question fast enough. I ran the way I've always run, like death itself was chasing me. For a couple of days afterwards, I fretted. I wondered that I'd given myself away, but then the old oblivion reflex took over. I pushed it all down, buried it all, like always. But I never really did forget not our exchange or your disappointment, how you walked out of the auditorium with your shoulders hunched. I know this is years too late, but I'm sorry I didn't answer you. I'm sorry I didn't tell you the truth. I'm sorry for you and I'm sorry for me. We both could have used that truth, I'm thinking. It could have saved me and maybe you from so much, but I was afraid. I'm still afraid. My fear like continents and the oceans between, but I'm going to speak anyway because... As Audrey Lord has taught us, my silence will not protect me. X. Yes, it happened to me. I was raped when I was eight years old by a grown up that I truly trusted. After he raped me, he told me I had to return the next day or I would be in trouble. And because I was terrified and confused, I went back the next day and was raped again. I never told anyone what happened, but today I'm telling you and anyone else who cares to listen. That violation not enough pages in the world to describe what it did to me. The whole planet could be my inkstand and it still wouldn't be enough. That shit cracked the planet of me in half, threw me completely out of orbit into the lightless regions of space where life is not possible. I can say truly that it destroyed me. Not only the rapes, but all the sequels, the agony, the bitterness, the, the self-recrimination, the desperate need to keep it hidden and silent. It fucked up my childhood. It fucked up my adolescence. It fucked up my whole life. More than being Dominican, more than being an immigrant, more even than being of African descent, my rape defined me. I spent more energy running from it than I did living. I was confused about why I didn't fight, why I had an erection while it, I was being raped, what I did to deserve it. And Always, I was afraid, afraid that the rape had ruined me, afraid that I would be found out, afraid, afraid, afraid. Real Dominican men, after all, aren't raped. And if I wasn't a real Dominican man, I wasn't anything. The rape excluded me from manhood, from love, from everything. But as my, um, I think I've jumped here anyway, maybe I have. Um, so that was the beginning and I read that and instantly there was a lump in my throat. I, I don't want to take away the beauty of, um, or the experience of you reading the entire article yourself. But this is a man who writes in such a very, I don't know, macho way, like his stories. He, he's one of his main protagonists is a, is a man called Junior and he talks through him and he's so macho and he's so like, just, you can almost, smell the pheromones that he excretes he's so just like you know um but there's always been a sadness to Junior and 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 to other characters in um you know Diaz's stories that 
have I've always kind of wondered like where how is he able to write about all of these things so precisely so accurately now you know um, you know goes on to talk about how it affected his relationships with women and that's when it got complicated for me because he talks about these faceless women that because of his trauma he ended up traumatizing them you know he ended up damaging and wounding them and one of them in particular I think it was one of his final loves you know he told her she was the only one I think he told about what had happened to him um in his earlier years and this was after years of like fucking around literally other women he gets to her story he gets to her and he says like you know it was like a great love story I think she was Dominican he's Dominican and he was saying he said one line that made me want to throw up was when he said I loved her the most so I cheated on her the most and that's honestly a lot of men's justification for why they ruin women's lives because, oh, but I loved her and she understands that I'm broken. So ideally she should be a strong woman and stay with me through everything. I think even Chris Brown wrote a tweet that alluded to something like that before, like a, a real woman. No, it wasn't him. Sorry, Chris Brown. I know that you're crumping and and and, and pop locking and dropping. It wasn't you. Um, Mac Wilds. Mac Wilds was the one that wrote that wrote a tweet that said something along the lines of a good woman will stay um, and let or a strong woman will stay while a man figures his stuff out. No, 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 she won't. That, that's a woman that's got time to waste, essentially. No, you don't have to stay for the for the for the title prize of one day being called a good woman, staying with men who are destroying your reality as well as their own realities. It's not by force. We have to remember, like our motto for 2018 should definitely be it's not by force. You can love people, you can love the shit out of someone, but if they are so so broken and they are still in the in the deepest depths of that brokenness you will get cut in the process your love will not make it through to them it can't make it down to them where they are it can't your love as as much as as it's a light will will still cast a massive shadow over them and their and and that's the monster that they're scared of this shadow because they've always got their back turned away to your love so all they can ever see is the shadow of it. And that scares them. So what's the point? So Junior talks about this particular relationship. I loved her the most, so I cheated on her the most. And he says that, you know, she basically found out because she saw, she went, she had a, um, a suspicion. She went on in, in his inbox and she just saw the, in, the emails and the pictures. And I guess this was the time before we all had like smartphones and stuff. So she saw the pictures that they'd been sending each other and like, you know, when they'd meet up next and whatever. And all my girl did was print out all of the emails and just hand them to him. And he said that for him, it felt like the world fell out from underneath him. Like he was losing the love of his life. But at the same time, you cheated on her so aggressively, so vigorously that that what did that love really, really mean? And so she ended it with him, big up to her. And he ended up writing a story about it. And that's how he wrote, this is how you lose her. So if you haven't read, this is how you lose her, um, or ha you have read it, this isn't a spoiler. Um, that is how the girl... It breaks up with him that that is how our story begins that is how our story begins she breaks up with him by giving him this stack of emails of his correspondence with other women that he's been fucking around on her with and 
that's the point where she leaves him and the story of this is how you lose her he basically takes us through how he lost her and how he tried to build a life after her and how it just felt futile and that's what got to me about the article I'm so proud of Junio Diaz for writing and being so honest because I know personally that so many men have had similar experiences even to the point where you know where he questions like why do I even have an erection when I don't want this and I'm not I, I'm not attracted to men but this man is raping me like what what is going on like though all of those questions there are so many other men that have experienced the same thing and by you saying this you're letting them know that they shouldn't be ashamed and and therapy definitely is a godsend like it can help through so much because eventually Junio Diaz in when he in his article he does speak about the fact that he eventually does get a therapist and he starts working through all of the shame and all of the trauma and I'm I'm really happy that he has written this and ultimately maybe he didn't write it for me I don't think he wrote it for a woman that has been at the receiving end the suffering end of broken men he wrote it for other men, I believe. He wrote it for that right, uh, for that for that person that asked him to sign his book. I f- he wrote it for these people because it's hard for me to read. As much as I appreciate it, I, just the number of women that he mentions that he doesn't even mention their names. We don't know much about them, but the fact that all of these things he did to them didn't do for them, and they left probably thinking that maybe it was them not realizing that he had this grief that he carried with him and he was refusing to let go of. And, you know, that's what makes it hard sometimes listening to men talk through their trauma. Even like, that's why I haven't bothered to really listen to 444 by Jay-Z because I'm not going to support someone who's telling me about how he fucked around his wife so badly that she ended up having miscarriages. I don't, there is no how I'm going to be okay with that. There's no how I want to even let you, I don't want to stream the song because I don't want to put money in your pocket for the fact that you ruined someone's life. No, no, I, I, I don't think it's fair. Same with you, know, the fact that I've brought this is how I've brought this is how you lose her for, I think, four people, one for myself and I think four, um, what, three for men that I know as gifts. And um, so I've, I've put your money in your account. You know, I've, 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 I've supported you in this very real story. Are the proceeds going to this woman that you hurt, that you cheated on so vigorously? Are you sending her a check every year, even if she chooses not to check, uh, to cash it? Are you sending her something as remuneration for all the grief that you've caused her that, that has now made you famous? What are you doing to reconcile what you did to her, to, to, to help with her pain? Not to say that money is a valid um, thing to, to, to heal her pain, but at least like show me that you understand that you've basically capitalized off my pain. So that's what made the article so hard for me. And I felt so conflicted because I love him as a writer. I love the fact that he spoke out in this way so beautifully, um, so honestly. But oh, as a black woman, it's just hard to... to, to to read it and support it really um but i respect it and i think that that's the, that's the most i can say i ha- to try to try to be as honest as possible i respect it i respect that he's done that um and i can respect it and still have my reservations about it so that's um that was the heavier subject moving on to my next so you mad um lord the singer lord 
So she fucked up majorly. Thank you to TR, another man who sent this in to me on the SYM um, email address. In case you don't have it, it's SYM at Kalechiokafor.com. So he sent this in about Lord. Um, so Lord put up a photo on Instagram of a bathtub and water running, and she put the caption, um, I like she's singing, I will always love you. And she ob- she obviously says that she didn't realize that um Whitney Houston died in a bathtub she like she didn't make the connection that by putting a bathtub of running and having water running into the bathtub and captioning it with i will always love you like that that could be taken offensively by whitney houston fans so but what she says that she was trying to say was that it was just her day off and she was really really excited about the fact that she was finally going to be able to soak herself in a bath and just live her best life like lord is 21 and she's a white girl i can understand that maybe she wasn't even that aware i think that usually you know me i am all for jumping on someone and telling them about their clerk. But I've honestly got to say in this instance, I really believe that she did not know, like she didn't make the connection. It's almost, I feel like the the quality of the joke is actually beyond her. Like it, it's so vile that it would take a real nasty comedian that people think, oh my God, he's like, it will take someone like Ricky Gervais to make that sort of joke for it to, for me to be like, yeah, okay. I see what they were doing. I think Lord, honestly, she was just excited about the fact that she was going to be in this bathtub. But anyway, she puts up the picture on Instagram. Um, she geotags it with day off. And then she writes, and I will always love you. And um, someone says to her, hey, Lord, uh, might not want to post a picture of a full bathtub with a Whitney Houston lyric. Feels a bit insensitive since Whitney died in a bathtub. And she wasn't aware that Whitney died in a bathtub in Beverly Hills in 2012. But um, I mean, 2012, she's 21. Yeah, maybe all of that news just flew by her. I don't know. Um, so yeah, a lot of people were angry with her um, and really, really dragging her. But she came forward and she said, I'm extremely, extremely, um, I'm ex- um, extremely, extremely poor, poorly chosen quote. I'm so sorry for offending anyone. Um, I hadn't even put this together. I was just excited to take a bath. Now, guys, we smelt people on public transport. We should be happy that this girl is so excited about getting into a tub of water because it seems like her counterparts, they're not as happy about getting into a bathtub full of water because every time they got in a tube and they're smelling all sorts of wild, they're smelling like all of the mistakes and regrets that God has ever made. That's what these people smell of at 8 a.m. in the morning. So if my girl's excited about getting in a bathtub, like let's support her in that excitement. Like, yeah, in the future, she should definitely choose her captions more carefully. But, you know, I'm excited that she takes bathing seriously, you know? So that's, that's really my take on it. But, um, and I appreciate the fact that she says, you know, it was an extremely poorly chosen quote and she's so sorry for offending anyone. She didn't say sorry if you were offended. She said, I'm really sorry for offending anyone because even the shade room, the shade room obviously jumped on it and they were like, uh, did singer Lord try it? People online dragging her in the comment section after she posted this photo in um, with a Whitney Houston quote. Lord had the bravery. She was so remorseful because I know this is why I believe that she didn't mean it. She went onto the shade room. She went into the comments and she wrote i'm so sorry everyone this was a deeply poorly chosen quote about my love of bathing i was meaning no disrespect and hadn't put anything together because i'm dumb and it's my day off i'm, I'm sorry 
come on, like uh, the girl did not mean it. If it was someone else, if it was Miley Cyrus, I'd be like, yeah, go for her. But honestly, I don't think Lord meant it for the fact that she was brave enough to go into the shade room and be like, guys, black people, black people, I am so sorry. That is not what I meant. I am just so excited to have a bath. I'm so excited. If she gets that excited about bathing, I wonder how excited she gets about moisturizing. But um, yeah, I feel like the dragging was kind of unfair. I see why. I see why. Um, but she wouldn't have the juice or the sauce to pull off that sort of joke. It's not, it, it would never ever be funny. Don't get me wrong. But there are some people that have the personality to do that. And they'll be like, what? She's not one of them. I don't think she would have ever done something of that magnitude. So that's my last So You Mad. Now jumping to Suck Your Mum about people who are doing bad things and they don't want to take it back. And they're very, very brave in, in their ignorance. We're jumping to The Simpsons. So The Simpsons, um, there is a man called, I want to say, let me not mispronounce his name because I don't want to be bad mind. Let me just get it up here. Um, unless I save it. Yeah. Harry Kondabolu. He's a comedian, I think, and um, and a filmmaker and everything else. Um, he's South, Southeast Asian, South, and he made a documentary called "The Problem with Apu." If you don't know, because you've been living under a rock or something, Apu is the Asian character, the South Asian character, Southeast Asian character um, in The Simpsons. He's a shop owner, from what I um, off license owner, and for years, you know. He's been that stereotype of our oh, Indian people, Pakistani people, Bangladeshi people, like they're all like this, like this is what they're like, like they're and so Harry Kondabolu, he made this documentary saying that it's it's microaggressions like this. They're not even very micro, they're in fact macro representations like this that perpetuate a narrative about marginalized communities and it's not fair. Um and I, rightly so, like he he touched on real real, you know, really nuanced um, ideals and, and, and things that people do, tend to overlook and how they're affecting entire communities with these jokes, as it were. Um, and so, obviously, the Simpsons had to respond. So how did they choose to respond? Well, they chose to respond like the fucking pricks that they are. And they, um, in they, they made an episode called No Good Read Goes Unpunished first aired in, um, I think April 8th. So just a few days ago, and it was, um, widely received as a response to Kondabolu's film. And in it, Marge finds a book that she loved as a child. Um, and it contains elements that would now be considered offensive. And so she starts editing the book herself to remove these elements. In doing this, she finds the book loses its emotional journey. She and Lisa then look to a picture of Apu and Lisa comments that it is something that has that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive and is now politically incorrect. What can you do? Kondabolu wrote on Twitter that he was disappointed that the message of the film had been reduced to the concept of politically incorrect. And this is it. If you ever guessed who writes um, The Simpsons, you now know that it's a bunch of idiotic white men who can't take criticism. Ju motherfuckers, lynching was, lynching was hilarious years ago. Lynching was hilarious. Lynching black people was hilarious. Minstrel shows were hilarious. And you know, when 
people said, I think that this should stop. There were lots of people and white people who were definitely like, oh, I don't think it should stop. I don't see what the problem is with it. I'm enjoying it. Of course you're enjoying it. Of course you're enjoying it because your your entertainment is coming at the, the detriment and the humiliation of people who you have othered. And no way am I comparing lynching um, and um, minstrel shows. Well, yeah, minstrel shows, yes. But what I'm trying to say is that there have been heinous things that have happened throughout history that white people have thought is perfectly okay. Perfectly okay. And they don't see why it needs to change because once it used to be acceptable. So if we're telling you that the the depiction of Apu in The Simpsons is problematic, listen the fuck up and stop arguing against them being like oh well you guys used to find it funny now now everyone's being politically correct and saying we're politically incorrect every single show made by white men family guy um american dad all of this all of this they're all racist in essence and just because people are laughing with you at the blatant racism doesn't make it okay and i just wish that you lot would understand that i really wish that you would like it doesn't make it okay it's just you're just creating a safe space for all of your fuckeries um and so yeah it just it really upset me that they even um, violated Lisa Simpson in that way And put the words in her mouth to say Lisa in essence would never say anything like that Lisa would not stand for that Lisa wouldn't think it's okay And it actually had a picture of Apu And it said don't have a cow about it So again you're taking the piss out of his religion as well So it's so offensive on so many levels And just how um, wrong and strong they're being Is disgusting So anyway um I'm glad that the lady that does the voice for Bart Simpson, Nancy Cartwright, there's a meme that's out on social media, on Instagram at the moment, on the sad Simpsons memes that says, do better about the Simpsons. And it puts a, a it has a picture of Homer and it has South Asian Americans written over his face. And then it has Simpsons writers in 2018. And it looks like a picture of Bart's hand going for either non-apology apology that does nothing besides protect their egos. And it's avoiding picking up the, taking the opportunity to use their platform to affect positive change and nancy cartwright wrote under the cap she wrote in the captions love this so even bart simpson even bart simpson doesn't think that what you guys have done is okay even bart simpson doesn't like it so surely that should tell you that it's, it's not cool like not everyone is on board with this nonsense that you're doing so the straw goes out to the writers of the simpsons like I want you to use the straw to the way that Homer sucks up donuts so quickly. I want you to use the straw to suck all of your mothers, all of, or find your mother, wherever your mothers may be. Even if you want to use it on Marge Simpson, Marge Simpson, the one that went to go and find this book and decided that suddenly it's lost all beauty and nuance because she had to take out all the offensive shit that was in it. Go and use the straw to suck, suck Marge's yellow pom-pom, you dickhead. That's what you need to go and do. Oh, even saying the yellow pom-pom sounds like racist no i mean like her literal weird color that they've given her like i've always thought that color was rather odd and her blue hair like I, does she have blue pubes i don't know i don't know but take the straw and go and suck marge's pom-pom because you're all useless and marge is useless for crying over her book and 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 i'm disgusted that you would use lisa as a reason um, or as the spokesperson for your fuckeries because that was a violation in itself and um, big up Harry Kondabolu for calling out the nonsense because I'm always saying that other communities need to use their voices and stop relying on black people to speak up for them and I really appreciate that he's done this so big up yourself um, and yeah Simpson suck suck your mothers wherever they may be suck them 
vigorously. And that is the end of this week's episode. Um, that's it. That's, that's, that's truly it. No extra content this week. I was going to talk about how drill music, um, is being cited as the cause of violence in this, in these streets, but I'll save that for next week. But, um, yeah, thank you so, so much for listening. I've been Kelechi Okafor and this has been SYM officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? Suck Your Mom. Um, you can follow me on at Kelechnikov or at Say Your Mind pod. I will add the, um, links to whatever i've promised you and i'll be catching you later peace it's the ben's punani woman is baby boys baby girls you need to hear this you sit down sit down receive this realness make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sippy yo hard time scrolling for your long shorts you might learn something you never know could let you find and she's one of a kind don't say you mind say you mind